Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I have a really fun show for you. I have Zoe Greco on. Zoe, who is also known as the Mayor Hipsy, is an intuitive empath and spiritual coach whose work connects individuals to the divine guidance and unconditional love that awaits them in every moment from universal energy. Zoe has had her intuitive ability her entire life, as well as her gift for healing. Able to describe her past lives and experiences in the beyond as an infant, all through her childhood, she was able to see what wasn't there and hear what wasn't said. Renowned psychics instantly recognized her as gifted and prophesied that she would one day have a powerful impact on the world. Through the Mystic Rebel podcast, her intuitive activation mentorship, and through her twice sold out Mystic Rebel Oracle and Crystal decks, Zoe helps others experience healing, discover community, and feel far less alone in their spiritual and personal journeys. Zoe hopes to introduce spiritual novices to the world of healing and facilitate deeper growth and expansion for lifelong seekers. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you so much. I'm not sure exactly where that bio came from, but it is, it's too long and it's a little, a little <laughs> wordy. I apologize that you had to read that. That is just fine. <laughs> nope. I think it gives people a good overall picture of who you are. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to thank those of you who are supporting the show via Patreon. I literally could not do this without you. It means so much to me to have any sort of support for the show, but really the financial support is super helpful to me right now. I'm an independent podcaster. This is all being funded by me. So anything you can do to help that, if you love listening to the show, if you love the content I'm creating, if you love the guests that I'm having on, please support the show. I have amazing, amazing guests continuing to come on the show. I'm so excited. I've grown the most month over month in the past three months, and that is because of all of you sharing the podcast, telling people about it. So thank you so much. Anything you can do to support the show, I am so, so grateful the growth I know is going to help me in some way. I'm not exactly sure how yet, but I know it will. Thank you all for listening. And here's this week's episode. So tell us how, how as a young child, did you experience these insights? What did that look like for you? What did you see, hear, feel, and how did you manage that without mm. maybe necessarily knowing what it was? That's such a great question. I... I really feel very fortunate, and I talk about this a lot, whether it's on my podcast or other podcasts, the fact that um, I personally had a lot of support in my life and not a, not really any negation or um, like naysayers around me. I just had really like the freedom from really early childhood to just experience myself as a spiritual person. And I wasn't really forced into like religion of any kind. I wasn't, you know, dissuaded from identifying as an intuitive being or like a little witch or anything like that. It was just not only support, not only like tolerated, but genuinely supported. Um, I think my father wasn't, you know, he's not on the same wavelength necessarily, but he was certainly not 
you know, shaming or, or um, like negating in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my mother, you know, was taking me to psychic fairs at a very young age. So I could be around other people who maybe I could identify with more strongly or so that I could explore my own interests. Like there was really a lot of support. And so it was actually quite easy and automatic for me to just stay connected to this ability and I think that claircognizance is actually my strongest intuitive sense. So for those who don't know what that means, it's just that clear knowing, just kind of knowing something. Mm-hmm. And I believe that my claircognizance is probably so attuned because I was just really encouraged in my knowing about myself, about the world around me. And that's why I feel like it's so important to help people connect with their intuitive abilities because that's, that exists in them, that is there for them. And it's our life experiences that then strip us of that innate part of ourselves. And so, you know, I've worked with thousands of clients and, you know, interviewed people and all sorts of things who are always like, you know, I felt like I had gifts as a child and then something happened, something or someone got in the way. And so I really think it's important to tell my story because I want to be a demonstration of what an example looks like of someone who is just nurtured as they are fostered, accepted, supported, and the type of connectivity and power that you can experience when you remove that layer of like separation and disillusion, when you just are able to flow in your own knowing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's such a beautiful way to think about it. You know, I think about all the things kids say throughout the day, throughout their lifetime, you know, my kids in particular, particularly, I mean, you aren't talking about it in this way, but I think that uh, maybe you are, I don't want to take words out of your mouth because we haven't gotten sort of specific on what that, that looks like. But I think so often kids in particular have these, this intuitive knowing of why someone is feeling the way they are or that someone is feeling the way they are. Even, you know, I'm just thinking about my own kids when they'll say to me, you seem upset or you seem mad Mm. about something. And my initial response is I want to say, no, I'm not. But then Mm. what is that teaching them about tuning into their knowing Yeah, that and that's what I think maybe you're talking about a little here is like we get stripped of those gifts when people tell us that they're what we are seeing is not what they are experiencing in that way. Absolutely. So not only, you know, so I identify as an empath and a lot of people, the word, like being an empath has become like so cringy nowadays. Like everyone's like, ew, you're an empath. And there's like a huge movement of kind of like mocking empaths and, you know, being a highly sensitive person, which is fine. Like it's, it's happened before. It's happened forever. I'm not like sensitive to that criticism, but I do think that, you know, there's like this thing that's said about empaths that they're not really spiritually attuned beings, but rather they're children who experienced a lot of trauma and learned to predict other people's emotions. And I think that there's validity to both of those things. I think that when you are a child being reared and raised amidst trauma, you do become hypersensitive to people's emotions and experiences. And I, and also I think that We're all born with the ability to do that already. I think that's why it's a coping mechanism that we fall into so easily because it's a natural part of who we are. We are born empath. We are born highly sensitive. Um, And so definitely in what you're referring to, that example of, you know, being attuned to the people around you and 
sensing things, even though it's not necessarily being discussed or experienced. <clears throat> and I also think of it in kind of the more um, perhaps like uh, showbiz, you know, type of ways where I, you know, at two years old, I'm describing my, my past life experiences to my mom and my mom's going, we don't even, you don't even watch TV. Like, where is this coming from? Like, how can you say these things? How can you know these things? Um, I remember really specifically in sixth grade, we had to write a book of poetry and I don't know why, but I chose to write from the perspective of soldiers. I had, I've never had soldiers in my family, no connection to the military, like, you know, the armed forces in any way. Um, but this was something I was drawn to do. And my poems were so like vivid and first person that my parents actually got called in. And my teachers were like, why? Like, uh, we're concerned. Like, why does she, why is she writing these things? Cause it was um, like graphic and vivid. It wasn't necessarily violently graphic, but like emotionally graphic. Like I talked about, you know, saying goodbye to a loved one at the airport and wondering if they're going to, um, you know, uh, or like the bus stop, I think it was like, I'm wondering if they'll wait for me. And I wrote all of them the, from the perspective of a man, which I think also was kind of confusing for my teachers. Um, and so, you know, I'm like, I don't know, 12, <laughs> I'm like a 12 year old little girl <laughs> writing these things about, you know, um, like a soldier that's, you know, been drafted and, and is internally protesting. And like, I was channeling these stories and my teachers were like, what the, what the literal fuck, pardon my French. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I can curse on your podcast, but they were like, what the hell? And my parents were like, yep, uh, that's our kid. Or in kindergarten, we got asked what we wanted to do when we grew up. And I said, oh, I want to, I want to see God again. And my, you know, my kindergarten teacher called my parents and thinking I'm suicidal. Um, I'm not a suicidal five-year-old. I'm a spiritual five-year-old. I just, right. I love God. I love being near God. I love thinking about God, like whatever that meant to me at the time. Right. That was like the word that was around me for spirit, for source, for whatever. But that's, I recognized I wanted to go back to that and be with that energy. So it's kind of those experiences where the world around me tried to maybe be like, what's exactly going on here? And I really had, you know, people around me who didn't, you know, didn't come home from these meetings with my teachers and go, Zoe, like, why are you doing this? They were just like, that's our kid. Like, that's what she does. She, mm -hmm. she channels, she talks to, she goes in the attic and hangs out with ghosts and makes potions. Like that's, that's who she is. And I think if we had more freedom to experience ourselves that way. And also potentially less of a, like a misconstrued, a misconstrued mainstream representation of spiritual people. And, you know, like the teenage witch like archetype or whatever, if we had less of a kind of like stigmatized and also like hyperbolized version of, of a spiritual young person, um, both at home and then what we see in media and we see in the world, I think that people in general would grow up to be much more easily connected to their abilities, but also we would have just more confident, self-assured people who are in touch with their intuition in whatever way that serves them. And that's something I think is really important is you don't have to be a professional psychic when you're like super tapped into your intuition. You could be, you know, you could work for the CIA, you could be an accountant, you could be a daycare, you know, um, facilitator, like you could do anything you dream of, but your intuition is going to serve you professionally, personally, in every aspect of your life. So being connected to it and staying connected to it is the most important thing you can do. Do you differentiate, um, or let me ask this, how do you see being empathic as a, maybe a pathway or a portal to intuition? Such a fabulous question. Um, I believe that 
as humans, there's a few things that we are innately connected to in ourselves. We're innately connected to our emotional body. We're innately connected to our critical mind. Um, and we're innately connected to our, our instincts, right? Like our like gut primal instincts. And as we grow and experience ourselves as a human being, which I think in itself is like a, a weird thing we're all going through, um, we find that spirit communicates with us through those very innate pieces of ourself. So claircognizance in our mind, clear empathy or clairsentience in the physical body, in the emotional body. I believe that intuition and empathy or like, you know, being an empathetic person or a highly sensitive person, I think those things are very connected. And at least for me, I use my empathy, my clear empathy and my clairsentience in every single intuitive experience I have, because if I can identify, if I can feel something in myself and I can identify what it is, I then know what my client or my subject is feeling in that moment. So when people are, you know, ready for a session, I can feel whether they're nervous or they're excited, or I can feel, you know, if I'm supposed to read into someone's energy, I can feel their emotional self. I can feel their energy in me. And it makes me immediately tuned into them. And I'm able to share that with them, which then creates more openness, more rapport, more trust, um, because we're sharing that emotion. We're feeling it together. Um, so I personally can't really imagine doing the work that I do without stepping into other people's emotions. And of course, at the end, stepping back out of them back into my own. But I think that Claire empathy is absolutely just inextricably linked with um, intuition, because again, it's one of our innate places of knowing. So what we feel in our gut, like that gut feeling, clairsentience, what we perceive in our emotional body, clear empathy, and then, you know, what we here around us and in the world a clear audience and what we what we sense what we feel you know what we know to be true uh, that clear cognizance and those are just the ways that spirit was able to communicate with us that we're able to receive and respond and um and work with but i think it's just as equally as important and equally um uh I want to say like focal as any other you know sense like spirit works with our eyes our ears um but I think it's just one of, it's one of many super important things, but I don't necessarily view it as like separate or outside of mm -hmm. intuitive ability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you're talking about it today, and I've always thought of it this way, especially for myself, is that it feels inextricably, inextricably linked. Yeah. And I, you know, just in my own professional work have often thought, well, what is intuition versus just a development of a skill over a period of time mm. that has allowed me to sort of have a sense for what someone's mm. feeling or knowing? I mean, I think for me, I was also very empathic and sensitive. I, I do sort of bristle at the word empath because I feel like it's used a lot right yeah. now. And I think I don't love words that people sometimes over identify with as a way to define who they are, mm -hmm. but it's a way to describe who you are. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's like a differentiator is okay. So you are empathic or intuitive. What do right. we do with that? Right. Um, and that, that I think is for me, how I like to think about it, but the way that you, you do tie them together in your work, I think is really powerful. And I don't know that I've heard people talk about those two pieces in that mm. way before, because I think it's, it's critical. Mm. You know, I, 
I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Guardians of the Galaxy 2, kind of specific, <laughs> but no. Okay, I so one. So in the second one, there's a character whose name always escapes me. I really should learn it because I talk about it kind of frequently. But she basically can touch someone and immediately know what they're feeling. Like she can feel it. Mm. And so my husband, who is actually kind of on the spectrum, he has a rather low emotional like EQ. Um, and but in, in a really fabulous, like, you know, beautiful way. And I really love that about him. And it also helps me a lot as a person with like a off the charts EQ <laughs> brings me really down to earth. Mm-hmm. When we saw this movie and we saw this character, I was able to say to him like, hey, that's what it's like for me. Anytime I'm near somebody, um, I don't have to touch them. And I, I also don't have to tune into it, which I think is a thing that we are also not taught. We're not like, I, I'll get to that in a second. But anyway, I explained to him, yeah, I don't have to touch anybody. I can just be near them or I can just even think about them. And all of a sudden I can feel what they're feeling. And he was like, whoa, that's what you go through. Like, that's what you deal with. That's what you talk about. And I was like, yeah it's tiring. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit exhausting, mm-hmm. but it was a really great way to like kind of visibly demonstrate to somebody else who doesn't have that experience, what it's like to be an HSP um, and move through the world, kind of sensing everything with your emotional sensors. I kind of feel like a bug with an antenna, mm-hmm. um, but they're invisible and they just feel emotion instead of like, you know, nocturnal vibration or something. Right. Um, and so it's, it's really, to me, critical. Like I I don't actually know how I would navigate the world without being able to sense and tune into the emotions of other people. Um, But again, it's not the only way that intuition is delivered. And I think that's also important to know because I also believe my husband who, you know, has a a low EQ is not, uh, is, is extremely intuitive, but obviously his emotional senses are not where he necessarily like receives the most insight. Um, and so I think it's really important to remember for listeners that every person is extraordinarily gifted. Um, and it's just about spirit communicating with you as an individual in the way that you like in your most fluent language. And so for me, emotion is, is my most fluent language for my husband, um, like logic or instinct is his most his are, are his most fluent languages. Um, I have, I've worked with women in the past who, especially I did a podcast episode with a woman who experiences aphantasia, which is the inability to visualize things. She has no like mind's eye. Mm -hmm. And so she was saying, you know, I think I'm, I'm scared that I won't, I can't be intuitive because I can't picture things or I don't know how to manifest because I can't picture things because the world of, of spirituality like centers around those ideas that you have to like see it and feel it to like live it, you know, and make it real. And just because sight is not her most fluent language doesn't mean that there's not another way for spirit to communicate with her. So we're always going to be talked to um, and spirit delivers it in the way we, they think that we can listen the best. Um, but, you know, sometimes we're just too busy to pay attention even to the, the space of us that is the most um, eloquent or articulate. So, yeah. How do you protect yourself from the intrusion of the intense emotions. I mean, especially now, right? Like everything mm-hmm. is so heightened. I mean, it, yeah. it was, I feel like bad before 2020, mm-hmm. but 2020 just skyrocketed. Oh yeah. Feelings. yeah. And, and the intensity of those feelings, I think whatever was there just got literally ratcheted up a thousand mm-hmm. percent. 
So, and I know this is often a question for people who are empathic or sensitive or intuitive. Mm. They want to know, I don't want to feel it all the time. It's too much. And I do believe it's too much for our nervous systems if we're that way. Um, my, my son, I don't know if I shared this on the podcast recently, but he came into my room a couple nights ago and just said something about, Mm. um, I feel like people are just really sad right now. And I feel like when I cross the street or when I walk by someone, I can feel their sadness. And I was like, Oh, I love you so much. (laughs) My heart. I know. Um, that's an amazing question. And I think that, well, okay, there's a couple layers to that. I think that on one level, we are all connected. And so it's quite natural for us to identify with other people, which is why I think children are able to do that and are able to sense what's going on because it is in a way instinctual. And also I believe like, it's almost like universal law that we are, we're all connected. And so there is that like natural ability. I think what happens is that the world around us doesn't teach us how to hone in on that and control that. And instead, again, going back to this idea of mainstream media, we have people all over the world, you know, telling us all the time that, it's impossible. And they're like, they're overwhelmed. And like you can only like your gifts take you over. Even in like media representations, we see like Sabrina, the teenage witch, her life got turned upside down when she found out that she was, you know, a witch at 16 or whatever. There's always like a, a negative flip side. And so no one around us can teach us because they haven't been taught. The world around us can't teach us because instead they're giving us this alternative message about what being spiritual is. Um, and I actually remember being in a room um, for my life coach training that I did, you know, a decade ago at this point. Um, and there was a woman in the group of like 60 of us or something. And she was, she stood, she stood up and she was like, I'm sorry, I have to leave. I'm really overwhelmed by everyone's spirits in here talking to me. And she was like very dramatic about it. And I remember being like in my body having such like a visceral reaction to her and I just wanted to turn around and be like can you please shut up like you like wow I can't believe you want this level of attention that you have to like stand up in this room of people and be like I'm sorry it's just too much so there's people who like you know I think you know weren't validated and then want to be validated Mm -hmm. so badly so before I actually directly answer your question my point about all this is to say that there is nowhere like we are not taught to to validate our validate our abilities or manage our abilities Mm -hmm. um and that's why we have people who are either shutting themselves off or when they're turned on they feel like they're just way too attuned and and i believe that's like a placebo effect that there's this idea that like when you're attuned all of a sudden it's like oh everything is oh like i'm overwhelmed and i don't think that necessarily has to be the case um i myself even experienced that to a degree when i started being able to communicate all of a sudden in college with people's dead relatives that was kind of the first time i was doing that to my knowledge I remember being like, that's a lot. That's a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically you have agency. You come to this earth with this amazing gift called free will and free will is your key to being able to tune up and turn down and control and turn it off and turn it on your abilities, your senses. And so you have the ability to say to spirit, 
I would prefer if my abilities worked in this way. I would prefer if I experienced intuitive insights and experiences through spirit in this way. And I will say that I, you know, have set boundaries with my abilities, with my guides, with my energy that um, I later wanted to shift when I was in a more open space to be receiving of some of those things. But spirit has kept that agreement. Like there are things I asked not to experience that I stopped experiencing because I truly set a boundary there. So obviously that might be harder for children to like fully understand, but I think teaching them, oh, I got a ringing in my ear, but I think teaching children to understand the power of their boundaries, even with the invisible world mm -hmm. is like a really beautiful thing that you can tell, you know, your children out there, Hey, you know, I know that you, you feel other people's feelings and it's okay to feel them. You don't have to let them live in your body or you don't have to, you know, be tuned into that all the time. You can imagine a little volume switch in your brain where you can turn it up or turn it down. Like however you want to, you know, make that visual for them or make that, you know, material for them. Um, even you can give them a little light switch and they can, you know, hold on to like, turn it on, turn it off, but helping children understand that they have, they have boundaries. They have a right to boundaries. They have free will and it lets them decide what they do and don't want to experience. Um, but also for me as an adult, um, I just move through the world and I let things move through me. So mm. I'm with someone, I hear it, I receive it. I'm with them in that moment. And then I know that I've made a, an agreement. I've set a boundary that spirit moves it through me. It doesn't live in me. Um, and so when you are not taking it on or like putting every emotion on like another layer of clothing, it's really easy to stay fluid and mobile and free because you're not, you know, burying yourself in it. So I think these are, you know, some of the more important concepts around that idea. And I apologize. That answer was like, a million years long. No, no, not at all. It was really helpful. How do you encourage people to connect with their guides? Mm. I mean, is it mainly with guides? Is it mainly with loved ones? Like, what do you, does it matter? Do you differentiate? Mm. That's a great question. Um, a really long time ago, I felt um, uncomfortable when I began doing mediumship work with the deceased of other people. So it's something I save for like rare occasion, like if I really feel called to do it. So for me personally, I'm not often connecting with deceased loved ones or ancestors. Um, however, I do invite any member of their spirit team forward. And I do believe that those energies kind of meld, like energy is very fluid, right? So like it can identify as a being or it can identify as your spiritual team. It can identify as like your spirit guides. Um, and I believe they like transfigure and transform and, and connect and, and, you know, work with each other all the time. Um, but I really encourage people to begin what I would consider to be um, more of like a, a material practice, a tangible practice in some way. Because I think telling people like, just go meditate and like, listen, you know, I think people, they really struggle with that idea because they don't like to be in their own minds. They, they feel that they're just making up whatever comes to them. But when you can give someone a material tool, if they're trying to move from like lack of communication into like divine dialogue, um, giving someone a tangible tool is so, so useful because you can't, you know, pull a card and go, Oh, it's just, that's just my brain. Like your brain didn't pull that card. It couldn't even see that card. Like that is, a divine dialogue beginning to take place. So there's a couple of different tools 
that I recommend for people. First, of course, being Oracle cards, which is why I felt called to make some. Um, I'd been using the same one since I was seven years old, and I still have them in a drawer right in front of me with all my other ones. I have my cards right here. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they're always they're always right here, right with me. And then the two that I created, I always keep kind of off to the side separately because they have my you know energy. Um, but Absolutely. I think Oracle cards are one of the most important ways that we can develop and begin a divine dialogue where we're asking a question and have a tangible way to receive an answer. Um, I also really, really encourage people that develop like a daily card pull practice to do some journaling, um, some metacognitive journaling. So kind of kind of on the vein of the meditation, but you have a prompt, you have a thing, you've got a, a message that came through. So when you pull your card asking spirit, what would you have me know today? then you've got your card and then, okay, what does this message mean to me? What do I understand about it? What do I perceive about it? And as you let yourself just sort of free write, not only are you tuning into your own innate knowing, but you have an opportunity to channel, you have an opportunity to receive. Um, and you've set that intention beforehand. Say like, spirit, please join me in this, in this journaling experience so I can hear you more clearly. Like I'm open to receiving you in this moment. Um, pendulums and pendulum boards, I think are a fabulous way of developing divine dialogue and having this tangible tool. You know, we've seen dowsing rods. There's so many different sort of spiritual tools, but I definitely encourage people to start with something tangible and very much on the Harry Potter vein, the wand will choose the wizard. You'll know if you're an Oracle card person, a tarot card person, a pendulum person, a dowsing rod person, a rune person. I mean, you're going to find your, your I don't even know some of these things. What's a dowsing rod? Dowsing rods are, I think they're made of copper and you hold them, you hold them one in each hand and they kind of have like a little handle and then they extend out pretty far and they'll, you'll say like, show me a yes and they'll cross or show me a no and they'll go, they'll, you know, turn away from each other, but they really don't move unless you ask a question and then spirit sort of moves the rods. If you've never seen this or experienced this, just Google like dowsing rod session. There's a couple of people who do it on TikTok and I'm always like, that's so cool. Um, but yeah, dowsing rods, runes are kind of another thing where they're like, you know, little, um, almost like dominoes or pebbles, so to speak, that have like a symbol in, um, drawn into them or, you know, engraved into them. And then you're sort of casting them and sort of seeing what, what message spirit has for you through the runes, like what the combination of those symbols means. So there's so many ways of finding like your tool. Um, but I really believe that, you know, starting with something, you know, in English, like, or your spoken language, mm -hmm. uh, you know, something really clear, tangible, portable can take with you all the time. I think that that's so important. And so I always tell people start with something tangible. Mm. And is that how you start your day with a question and a, and a card poll? You know, or not so much anymore. Not as much anymore. And I think uh, I've been asking myself that question recently, like, should I like, should I get into like a new spiritual routine? But I think for me, honestly, it's not that like I'm a human who has to get spiritual every day. I'm, it's more like I'm a spirit who has to get human every day. So instead of like having a spiritual routine I do in the day, I like to start my day by like tidying my home, drinking water, like being with my dogs. Like I, I really, I live my mornings and my evenings in a very human way. Like I love going to sleep, listening to forensic files or like law and order or something, which people think is crazy. <laughs> But it's like, man, I'm so tired of being spiritual all day. Like, I just want to lay down and be human. So I would say that my self-care routine is um, 
a little bit different. But, uh, you know, an example that I like to use all the time is when you're connected to your intuition, it speaks to you about things big, small, and in between, and sometimes things that really don't matter. So I used a couple examples, like when I was driving and I saw this guy in the bike lane and all I could see was his head behind a row of parked cars. And I said to my friend, that guy's on a unicycle, not a bike. And she was like, what do you mean? Why would someone be on a unicycle on the street? Like that's, he's in the bike lane. I was like, that's a unicycle. And sure enough, when he cleared the cars, unicycle. Um, the other day I was supposed to go in and have a procedure done on my face. And by the time I got, or that morning I woke up and I, I told um, my husband and my mother, when I talked to her that day, I was like, I know they're not going to do it. I just know they're not, they're going to tell me I need to do something else. And then I probably won't. And you know, we'll see what happens. And sure enough, I got there and they're like, yeah, actually, you know, what's so weird. You're not a candidate after all. And I was like, yeah, you know, and those things aren't like life-threatening. They don't really mean they're, they, you know, one was like cheek filler. Right. And one was a guy on a unicycle. That's not really like driving my life. You know what I mean? But when you're open, spirit just talks to you. They just, they like, I think they're, they like to be chatty um, mm-hmm. and they like talking to you and they love you. You're, you're their best friend um, and they're yours. So I think just creating an opportunity for dialogue, whether it's about, you know, things that matter or a random guy on a unicycle, it's nice to know that you can talk to them about anything and that they'll talk to you about anything. Well, and that's a good way to just sort of test it out. In, yes. in these non-life-threatening, right, very yes. serious ways to just ask, yeah. you know, what do you need a really to important know. point, actually. Like, when you're trying to test a new skill, or you're trying to grow a new skill, don't make it like a life or death stakes thing. Make it more like, oh, my phone's ringing. Who's calling? You know, um, Zenner cards is another are another great tool. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Zenner cards, mm-hmm. but they're like 25 cards, um, there's four or five sets of five images or four sets of five images, it might be 20 cards. And it's like a square, a triangle, uh, a circle, a star and like wavy lines or something. And you have to, um, you know, intuit which image will be on the card when you turn it over. Um, there are decks out there, just be careful that are made for magicians so they can trick people. They have like little symbols on the back of the, the on the oh. card back so you can know. Um, cause magicians are not psychics. They're just people who love magic, which is fine. Um, but you know, they need their own tools, That's um, the but trick, yeah, Zenner huh? cards are like a great, great tool as well. So yes, make it low stakes, make it fun. So can I ask you some quick speed round questions before Absolutely. we wrap up for today? Okay. Yes. Spirituality means. Love. What is something love. most people don't know about you? Uh, that I'm an, I'm an escape room enthusiast and I travel to do them. And I've done over 200 in three countries and six States. No way. I love them. I love, I'm so passionate. I would, I was offered a job at an escape room just a couple of years ago. They were like, please come and like design puzzles with us. And I was like, sorry, I run, I run a business already, but, uh, but if I ever, if I ever decide to change lanes, it would probably be into the escape room world. I've never done an escape room. I should. I've got so many recommendations no matter where you live. So I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> What's one thing you're looking forward to right now? Um, I'm really looking forward to some plans that I can feel my guides have for me that I don't know yet what they are, but they've been telling me like, get ready, get ready, get ready. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a big change coming for me. Um, and I also admit I'm looking forward to finding out what it is. I think that's part of the magic of, 
uncertainty and also divine timing. Like it's not time for me to know. So I'm, I'm excited for the time and I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to it. I like that you're just surrendered to whatever it is too. That's a, that's a journey. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a journey, but I do. I've been working on that and I feel excited. What's one thing you're deeply grateful for right now? <sighs> oh, honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is my husband. He's, he is like my soul's medicine and, oh. and like truly I know I've looked for him in every lifetime and I will always look for him. Like he is my person. What's one thing you are, um, what book, sorry, I got distracted. By no, it's okay. The beauty of that, the depth of that love. <laughs> what book is on your nightstand right now? A Course in Miracles. Oh. What is your favorite spiritual or healing practice? Oh, sound healing. Mm. I'm a sound healer, a sound healing instructor. And I oh, believe that are. sound and vibration are the most powerful medicine you can experience. I wish I was looking for someone when I was in Arizona to do a sound healing. Next time you're here. Next time I'm coming, let me know. I'm coming to you. Yes. What is the most transformative experience of your life? Honestly, it was healing from my trauma. So it wasn't a single experience, but rather a decade long journey that I took. And the moment when I started to feel free of like the, the chokehold, the trauma had on me and the way it made me act and the way it made me behave and the things that made me think. If one day I just thought, I don't feel it the same way anymore. It doesn't feel as as like heavy. Um, And I think that moment of like realization was really transformative one of the most transformative things I've experienced but I accredit that moment to the journey and all the hard work and all the people that loved me while I was going through that can I ask what some of the work was around that yeah oh big time um healing from abandonment um by honestly like time like learning to give my heart to people trust my heart with people, open my heart to people, mastering vulnerability. And I don't think that necessarily there were things that were like specific practices, Mm -hmm. except for like a willingness to grow. And so every day I have to challenge myself and I've had to challenge myself to just be more open than I was the day before, just even a little bit. Um, But lots of therapy. I really believe in therapy. Um, Lots and lots of conversation with my guides and consistently following what they wanted me to do, which I knew innately would get me into a space of like freedom and liberation. Um, So rather than like specific techniques or tools or practices, it was more like time, patience, and consciousness, like awareness of what my journey was looking like and and taking like conscious actions and decisions every day that just took less power, like took power away from my, Mm -hmm. my pain. Well, and I think what I appreciate with what you're saying is I think that oftentimes people who are in the spiritual space and not in the spiritual space Mm -hmm. think that if you are spiritual in some way that fast tracks you. 
Right. I think it helps, but you still have to do the work. And you said time. No one ever love, likes my answer to this question when they ask me how many sessions it's going to be when they come see me. You know, how yeah. long is this going to take? I don't know. Yeah. It's going to take time, right? It's, yeah. This isn't a quick fix. Um, but I so appreciate you shedding light on that, 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 that there's no, you know, foot on the gas. Yeah. Zero to you, 60 through. You know, I think, I think that uh, just to touch on this really quickly, I do think that there is some benefit to being spiritual and trying absolutely, to heal. Absolutely. Because I look at, you know, people who are in their sixties around me and just kind of getting past things. And I'm, you know, newly in my thirties and 31. And it was probably around 29 that I was like, Oh, like I'm feeling a lot better about this. Mm -hmm. So I do know that like my timeline of like trauma, I feel like my trauma and my healing were all like squished together and like truncated. And I got it out of the way because I need to use it from this point forward. Um, but I also know that like, I am a human and healing for humans happens in a human way and humans are, are prey and, and, you know, subject to time. So absolutely mm -hmm. healing is time. And I, and I really believe that strongly. Zoe, if people are interested in your work, where can they find you? You're on Instagram with a lot of people who have found you, but where else can they find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram and TikTok at the underscore Merhipsy. There are about 20 fake profiles of people pretending to be me right now, along with tons of other practitioners across all the platforms. Yes, so just be careful out there. Out I would never DM and. you offering you a reading. I don't do that. And truly no respectable reader does. So don't give anyone your money. Um, sign up through their website like a normal person. <laughs> Speaking of that, you can find my website at merhipsy.com. And of course, you can listen to the Mystic Rebel podcast where I host um, amazing practitioners like yourself and interview them on their amazing offerings and services and work that they do that you may never have heard of before. And I also share real um, anonymous client sessions so you can hear other people's healing experiences because I know the medicine is actually for all of us. There's medicine in every person's journey for each of us. So those are the best spaces to find me. And if you want to find out more about the, um, the intuition activation mentorship about expanding your own intuition, you can find that on my website as well, merhipsy.com. Thank you so much, Zoe, for your time today and for sharing your wisdom and insights about empathy and intuition. I know it's going to help whoever it reaches. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. <laughs>